Well, hello and welcome. This is Hey Hun. You woke up, and today I'm having the pleasure to interview a former oily Hun. She was with DoTerra, so I think it will be an interesting one. I mean, anytime I have an opportunity to talk to other victims of multi-level marketing, it's always eye-opening to me because I'm able to be taken back in time to when I was a Hunbot. And you might feel the same way too, if you were in an MLM. I don't know. There's just, and Jamie and I were talking that Jamie is who I'm having on. Um, We were talking and the whole thing is there are these different layers of MLM. And also over time, all of a sudden you start having more memories about it and things start coming back to you. I know myself, I can kind of go back into that mode, so to speak, I can remember the person I was, who's not the person I am today. But when I thought Beachbody was, you know, the bee's knees and was the thing that was going to give me all the freedom that these types of companies proclaim, um, and then just don't. So without further ado, let me welcome Jamie to the show. Jamie, are you there? I'm here and I, yeah, thank you so much for having me, Alanda. I, I don't know if you know this, but your podcast was one of my first, you know, lifelines when I was discovering anti-MLM content. So. Oh my God, I had no idea. Yeah. I've really appreciated your work. Um, So thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. And you know, my work has evolved over time because now, as y'all can tell, I'm not on screen because after moving and, you know, having the two boys here and everything, we haven't been able to set up my office. I'm getting new office furniture. That's all on hold. There's boxes everywhere. It's an echo forever in that room. So right now I'm sitting on my bed and it's a very weird angle. And because it's a weird angle, I would look like kind of creepy on camera. So I'm just not. (laughs) And I decided, you know, to use Wonder Woman as my avatar, because in some ways, I feel like us speaking out um, about our stories, we are Wonder Women, we are kind of, you know, those cape crusaders, so to speak, I'm looking to save people from the world of multi-level marketing, you know, and then my phone goes off. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, um, you know, this isn't a lesson anybody should have to learn the hard way, if at all humanly possible. No, it's not. And, you know, I, I'm trying now to be somewhat organized. Mm-hmm. I know it's shocking because I know when I had did these interviews originally, I really never had anything laid out. So now I'm trying to have some pre-prescribed questions that I ask people who are former distributors for, you know, whatever they're they're MLM of choice, you know, the poison of MLM. <laughs> so let me go ahead and um, ask you the first question. I've already told everyone that you are a former oily hun. You were with doTERRA. So let me ask you, think back, you know, to back in the day. What did you know about multi-level marketing, if anything, before you joined? Um. Honestly, I don't think I knew anything. I think I had vague notions of what it might be or vague notions of pyramid schemes. But I also, you know, was sort of interested in the idea of residual income and what might that look like. And, 
multiple streams of income. I had been a massage therapist for a number of years um, since 1999. That was my primary profession. And, you know, you get pretty burnt out from that job after a while. And, you know, people in that profession either go on to do teaching or lead workshops and seminars and stuff. And I wasn't really interested in that. Um, So I didn't know so much about multi-level marketing, but I did know a lot about essential oils and health and wellness. I was also a certified holistic health coach. So I, I was kind of invested in this wellness world. And I feel like back then it was still kind of moderate, I guess is the word. Like it's just sort of gone off the rails in terms of it being so profit driven and an industry now. Um, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, I know there's essential oil companies that are not MLM, but when you decided to, I guess I'm taking a guess here, you know, layer in the use of essential oils as a massage therapist, because you know, I've gone to massage therapists and I absolutely love the experience. Yeah. Did you think, well, you know what? I can actually sell these products to my clients because mm-hmm. it will be another income stream. Was that kind of the thought process? Yeah, absolutely. I had, so um, way back in the day, I had a Young Living account and I did not know that it was multi-level marketing. I just bought it for the product. Um, You know, one of my clients actually enrolled me and I didn't particularly question the $50, 50 PV or whatever it was minimum um, because I just was going to resell them in my, in my office. And there was, you know, that idea of, essential oils and the way they affect the amygdala, which is where we have memory. And it was like this thing my clients could take home with them to kind of trigger that relaxation response and get them back in the, in the space of rest and relaxation. Right. So I, I had those in my office for a while. Um, I even did the raindrop therapy, which is pretty extreme now that I know better. What's raindrop uh, therapy? It was a young living treatment where you would apply essential oils directly onto somebody's back undiluted um, in a sequence. So they were sort oh, of wow. layered and they were supposed to sort of be, you know, interacting with the nervous system directly. Um, and, and then you put a hot pack on them to kind of help them penetrate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so incredibly extreme and dangerous for so many different reasons. Um, but I did that. Um, you know, luckily nobody had a severe reaction. Um, but you know, we're using oils like oregano directly on somebody's skin and then applying heat. It's like ridiculous. Um, and you at the time you didn't think, well, this sounds a little odd. You just thought this is, this is how it's being used. Well, I had previously worked in um, several several different spas, including some pretty high-end destination spas where I'd learned, you know, over 20 different spa treatments. So to me, this was just a different spa treatment or, you know, different type of treatment. Um, and I had already learned quite a bit about essential oils, but not ever in a clinical sense. It was always kind of within the context of a spa treatment. And you just the, the knowledge or the information didn't go very deep. So I had this kind of cursory understanding about essential oils. And then 
at some point, I think, I don't know, around 2009 or 10, I let that Young Living account go. Um, I had moved states and my massage license didn't transfer. So there was a gap in my practice. And then I got relicensed in my new state. And, um, and then I actually developed my own line of massage and body care oil blends that I formulated and produced and was trying to sell. And in my mind, it was going to be like my stay at home mom job. It was going to be another stream of income for massage and potentially replace that income eventually. So I was already thinking of like ways to stop doing massage full time. Um, And I already sort of had this mindset that I wanted to try to be a stay at home mom if I possibly could. Um, That never really fully happened for me full time, but I did get to spend a lot of time with my kid when he was little. And when I was introduced to doTERRA, it was at a point where my oil blends were not selling as quickly as they needed to because they had such high carrier oil content. They would actually go rancid if they weren't used quickly enough. Um, so I basically just did not have my business operations and marketing to, to scale to be able to sell those products, unfortunately. So doTERRA was sort of this answer to that problem. Um, but I was pitched on the income opportunity. You know, my friend at the time, um, you know, basically said the upline in our town is making 15 grand a month. Wouldn't you like to, too? It's like, of course I would. Who wouldn't? We're all, we're all in this culture of capitalism. Of course we want to make more money. (laughs) I I didn't realize you had been young living also. So your toes into. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because the only sort of like, vetting that I did about doTERRA, I can only remember two sort of, you know, moments where I was trying to sort out if it was a decent company or whatever. Um, I really didn't question it very much at all, but I did ask, are they organic? And then of course they came back with beyond organic, they're certified therapeutic grade. And of course that's a made up certification in an unregulated industry that they just... (laughs) decided to stamp on their product. Um, You know, and then that kind of plays into how they source their oils and how they like to focus on that co-impact sourcing model as a distraction method from it being an MLM. And then I also asked the upline, you know, what the difference between Young Living and doTERRA was. And I got that whole origin story and, you know, well, Whatever. I don't know the origin story, but what I want to like make sure that I get this clear in terms of your recruitment. So with Young Living, you had someone who was a client of yours that, mm-hmm. yo, want to sell oils and you joined that person's team, but didn't really know that much about MLM. And then when it came to doTERRA, somebody else that you knew. Now, who was this person that you knew that was saying the upline's making $15,000 a month. And wouldn't you like to do that? (laughs) Well, at that point she had become a friend. She was a neighbor who had become a friend and um, she had actually like sampled me a bottle of oil a year or two or so prior when I was making my blends, but it was just so like 
random and didn't fit into my blends. I wasn't using that particular oil. It just sat on my nightstand. I didn't think about it. Um, so by the time she pitched the business, we had, you know, grown closer and I just trusted her. Um, we were both sort of crunchy stay at home mama types and, um, yeah, I, you know, I honestly, Alanda don't remember even asking her any questions about it. I can't recall. Um, it just sounded like a good thing. And of course I was in a vulnerable position. Right. Um, I was experiencing financial instability. I was also having, um, postpartum depression from a complicated birth. Uh, I was also experiencing, um, sort of complex grief from the unexpected loss of my father. Like I was not in a good place. So she just kind of got me at the right moment. Um, you know, that's so interesting because, you know, like when I joined Beachbody, I didn't ask deeply. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. It's, it, it, and, you know, Jamie, you're a very bright woman. And I would think that, like, you know, when, when you're in your right mind, because I'm presuming you weren't quite in your right mind at that particular time. You had gone through a lot of things. And I know I wasn't. Yeah. And yeah. that is when you do become open to like, well, that sounds pretty good to me. So yeah, let's do this thing. <laughs> and then plus you being a massage therapist, having blended your own oils. I mean, you already had a background in this. So I'm just thinking, you know what, it would make sense. It just seems like it made sense to just take this step and be able to offer something. But meanwhile, you have no real idea about what the MLM business model is all about. Now you did mention- mm -hmm origin story of doTERRA, which I'm mm -hmm. unfamiliar with that. Can you like give us the TLDR on that? Yeah, I'll give you like kind of a summary. I, I don't recall all the details about it, but essentially the, um, the founders of doTERRA came out of Young Living. I don't, I don't remember or recall what the like fracturing moment was, but I mean, if you look at Young Living and, and part of the reason I'm motivated to share my story is that young living does get a lot of coverage. They're oh, a hot mess. And, you know, I mean, Gary Young has been um, cited for practicing medicine without a license. And there are yeah. so many stories associated with him specifically and the company. Um, so it's easy to criticize young living, but doTERRA kind of like slides by somehow. Um but the the executives of doTERRA did work at Young Living, so they already had an intimate understanding of that product and business model. Um, and that's kind of as much as I know. I just know that they 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 broke off from Young Living, started doTERRA. You know, what I remember hearing is that they considered other business models, but their goal was not only to um, like run a company with more integrity, right. You kind of hear this a lot. <laughs> MLMs, right. But, you know, compared to young living, it was like, okay, well, you can see how they maybe are a little better, um, in some regards, but of course that's all bullshit now that I know better. Um, so, there were issues at Young Living they wanted to distance themselves from, and then they considered other business models, but because essential oils are 
quote unquote experiential, they wanted that hand to hand marketing model. Um, you know, and they also, I re recall hearing things like, you know, instead of spending our money on marketing through billboards or print ads or things like that, we just put the money back into your pockets. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> so familiar. Yeah. So that's that story in a nutshell. Um, you know, they talked about how they all had to mortgage their homes and it was a huge risk and yada, yada. But, you know, I'm knowing who I know are the original founders now. They had these people lined up, I'm sure. That start that the like the Huns that started with doTERRA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's typically what, you know, these companies do when a new one starts, they already have, you know, that front line of people to join because they want to get people in who already know how to recruit. And what a better way than getting people who already have a downline and just bring those people right on over and you start all over again. Yeah. I mean, I would be so curious now. I'm sort of at that point now where I'm you know, those kind of things come up and I'm like, oh, I wonder if so-and-so did come out of Young Living with their team, right? I I haven't dug into that stuff yet, but I definitely have those questions. And yeah, now that I've, you know, been in the anti-MLM side of it, you see that happen. We're exposing oh, that kind of thing. All the time. And, you know, honestly, I find the stories of these top tier people to be incredibly fascinating when you are able to kind of connect the dots of where they started and where they are currently. And then when you start realizing who they know in their current scam, and to me, I'm just going to say, in my opinion, all multi-level marketing multi companies are scams. That's my opinion of them. Mm -hmm. um, but that they all like will have come from the same one. For instance, when I've dug into former people from OneCoin, Organa Gold, most all of them came from Organa Gold. I'm like, isn't that interesting? You know, so it's just mm -hmm. fascinating to me when you're able to peel back those layers, because that's the story they don't want you to know. Otherwise, yeah. they'd be telling it. They don't want right. you to know that they have you know, past experience and how many years they've been doing this. So, well, no wonder you're, you know, sitting up there and all of that. Now, I want to do circle back to the income potential, because you were told when you joined doTERRA that the person in your town, I guess the top person in your town was bringing in $15,000. So, what exactly were you told about the income potential? How much did you think you were going to be laying out? And what did you think you'd be bringing in? Well, unfortunately, I don't think I asked. And that information was not freely given to me up front. So I was, it was really like stumbling my way through for about the first six months until I fully grasped what I was doing. But during that process of figuring that out, instead of like being skeptical about it, I was in the bubble. So I was just being spoon fed these, um, you know, these messages about mindset and growth and, and, um, and, and the potential, right? Like if I can do it, you can do it, that sort of thing. So um, I, I wasn't told what would really go into it. I did know that to be a quote unquote builder in doTERRA, you had to have a hundred PV minimum. 
um, I, I showed up to get my kit at my friend's class, like at the end of the class, I wasn't even in the class. What class? What kind of class? You know, like a essential oil 101 class. They've had different names over the years. It was medicine cabinet makeover for a while. And then it was natural solutions. And, you know, they'd sort of rebranded every so often. Um, But it's the, you know, the introductory class that you would teach. And of course, it's like a class, right? It's not a party. So you're sort of elevating yourself in that sense, right? As an expert. Right. And, um, you know, I picked up my kit. I resold it to a friend. (laughs) Like, I just thought I I thought I'd be retailing like I had retailed Young Living. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and then my friend started texting me these little either motivational things or videos that were supposed to be business training, but they were all about belief and mindset. And I just was scratching my head for the first few months going, what? You know, I cannot tell you how much I cannot stand the belief and the mindset bullshit. It just, I I think now it triggers the hell out of me. Yeah. It does me too. And, you know, coming out of the wellness world and doing massage and health coaching, it's like, I was already engaged to kind of a large extent in that world of, you know, law of attraction and and stuff like that. I listened to that a lot when my kid was really young. It like felt good to me, you know, but it was also harmless in a sense. You know, I, I wasn't trying to sell anything to anybody at that point. Um, but you know, things like personal growth and professional development were attractive to me. And so I didn't like poo poo it right away. You know, I just was sort of getting it delivered to me in a way that at first was unfamiliar, but then because my team was like, had that affinity marketing Uh aspect to me, it felt comfortable. You know, people on my team upline were former yoga teachers. They were naturopathic physicians. They were acupuncturists. They were people that I admired, you know, um, or that I at least felt in community with or in the same realm of um, being a practitioner with. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say all of these people with these different backgrounds, because that's exactly what I was imagining in terms of people who would be attracted to, you know, either essential oil, MLM, and then probably, you know, just your crunchy stay-at-home mom as well. And for myself, when I was involved, and there's been various times in my life when I've dabbled in something in one form or another I wouldn't say it's always law of attraction, but it was something that made me feel good. And it did make me feel yeah. good. You mm-hmm. know, it had that dopamine a going, you know? Yeah. Um, but then the flip side of it is, well, if you're not having the outcome that you're envisioning and putting out into the universe, then you just end up working even harder towards it. And it just, it ends up becoming so very toxic. Yeah. Which- you don't even realize that you're in something that can be mentally and psychologically harmful in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole, and along with that kind of that messaging around getting out of your comfort zone and the magic happens out 
of your comfort zone. It, it was always, I mean, to be honest, I really don't think it ever felt right to me. And I questioned it a lot and I had many doubts, but I also really liked my upline. She was a lovely person and the encouragement and just the, um, the sort of spoon fed answers you'd get to any question line of questioning that you might have, or that they'd preemptively answer. If you get, you know, a question about the business model or question about this, um, there just didn't seem to even be room to question anything. Um, you know what I mean? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, when you said that, I just kind of got goosebumps because mm -hmm. that that's what I experienced too. And it's also so much of what I have found as I've been in this world of anti-MLM of what people have experienced is that there is no room to do that. You just have to put all your faith right on into the MLM, whatever it's called, whatever yeah. you're showing. It's, it's just having that complete and utter faith that it will be that thing to transform your life. And for you wanting to stay home with your child, already having been, you know, in the natural healing type world, you know, I can totally see why you would have been attracted to it. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure upline is a lovely person, but does, has she yet wondered, like, <laughs> maybe this isn't everything. Is she still in it? Oh yeah. She's still in it. Wow. They're in deep. Now, how long were you involved in doTERRA? So it was about four years, almost, almost exactly four years. And Young Living? Young Living was like also three or four years. If I think back, I think it was like 2006 or 2005 to 2009 or 10, something like that. Gotcha. Um, so you were in there for a while and just had a little break <laughs> and then went right back into it. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing with Young Living is kind of funny because there was like, you know, in, in years prior to me getting my own account, there was this whole mystique and mystery around Young Living. And it's like, how and where do you get these oils? And so there was already this perception that they were elite in some way or better. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I felt lucky, I suppose, when my client had offered it to me. Um, well, let me ask you this, since you know about essential oils and, you know, I've never bought Young Living nor Do doTERRA oils. Now I have bought essential oils from like Whole Foods or something, and I mm -hmm. have used those and, and diffusers and stuff. So, I mean, what is considered a good grade of essential oil? And how do you think that doTERRA and Young Living stand up to those other oils? You know, I mean, I feel like that's a, a complicated question to ask um, for a couple different reasons. But it's like, you know, I'm still unwinding my MLM indoctrination. And I'm also not a clinical aromatherapist. So it's like, I still don't really have the answers. I just know that them saying they're the best and only in the world is not true. Um, I know that now because the essential oil market is unregulated. You know, there are sort of different governing bodies in different countries and things like that. But 
um, therapeutic grade is not even a real thing. Um, you know, there are sort of different levels of potential adulteration. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something I, I would have to do a deep dive on at this point to even really understand. Um, but, you know, I just feel like it's a marketing strategy for them to say, you're not going to get comparable oils anywhere else. You know, I, right. I'm sure that there are other companies operating with integrity, you know, it's, they, they don't have an entirely, um, exclusive market. They're still buying oils from the same suppliers as other companies. Um, I think they're trying to get all of their product to be exclusive, but that hasn't happened. Um, and that makes so me wonder that, where they're sourced from in comparison to other, or that should be a deep dive you should do is about the whole thing of the sourcing of these oils in comparison to, you yeah, the whole foods or something, you know? Yeah. I just talked to a reporter actually, who's doing, um, taking that angle on it. So I'm curious what she comes up with. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky, right? Cause they focused so much on their sourcing model, which was all about, um, all about like finding the plants where they grow indigenously and working with local, local growers and coming in with their nonprofit, the Healing Hands um, Foundation to support the community so that they could, you know, pay them to grow, grow and distill the, the plants in that location or region. So I know that they source from all over the world but so do every other essential oil company. And, you know, that's not to say that adulteration can't happen, but I'm sure that any essential oil company is going to do what they can to have it be pure, right? Purity is just, is it adulterated or not? It's not necessarily a grade of the oil. Now, what do you mean when you say adulterated? In terms that of would oil? be like... Um, that would be like if the essential oil was, had a filler of either a carrier oil or a cheaper kind of essential oil that has kind of a, the similar scent profile. Um, a common one would be like supplementing a Melissa essential oil with lemongrass. So it's not, you know, if it was sold as Melissa, but it had, you know, a certain percentage of lemongrass, it, that wouldn't be pure. Um, so, you know, different things can happen, but um, I don't know. I Just looking back, it just feels so incredibly arrogant for any one company to say we're the only ones doing this right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, take any MLM company. I can remember with, you know, Beachbody of them talking about, you know, where the ingredients were coming from to make the, this powdered shake thing, you know, and, and working with indigenous people and going and getting all of these exotic things. And they're the only one that are coming up with this formula. It's like, I think that's kind of just a page out of the MLM playbook. Yeah. To make something look exotic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also this kind of like saviorism thing, you know, it's like, kind of a missionary um, approach to working with their growers. Like we're going to go in 
And do they need a school? Do they need a hospital? Do they need housing? Do they need clean water? What we're going to solve their problem so they can solve our problem. It's a win-win, but it's, it's such a, like a savior complex thing. Yeah. Yeah. When you told me that they, about the nonprofit angle, I'm like, oh gosh, because all of these companies, that's what they do is like, you know, they put a nonprofit out there to legitimize and make it look appear as if what they're doing is literally for the betterment of the planet, you know, because they're all saving the damn planet. Right. Well, you know, doTERRA means gift of the earth and, you know, all they're trying to do is heal everybody one drop at a time, one community at at a time, put a healer in every home. And, you know, when my upline would come teach classes for me in the beginning, it was like, edifying the company through these sourcing models and nonprofits to really like, you know, say how awesome and different we are. Um, But you're right. Like they all have that thing that is supposed to set them apart or make, make their reps feel like we're doing such good work. We're being of of service. You know, it really, um, plays into that desire for people to want to help other people. And it's like, not just on one level, it's not just like, um, with essential oils or with supporting somebody's health. It's with all these, it's never just about the product. It's so much more than that. And then, you know, you see people all the time talking about that. It's just like this massive world where it, it's solving all the problems of the world and in your personal life. It's Pretty so powerful. powerful. <laughs> it's so no. I mean, you know, I, I wish something could do that and it's not realistic to think anything can, but yeah, you know, it's like when you join a multi-level marketing company, it's like, it's like your sense leaves you. Common sense just goes right on out the window and you're willing to believe all of that stuff. Well, I wasn't even looking for any of that stuff. But then when it was offered to me, I was like, okay, that sounds kind of great. Well, yeah, I wasn't looking for that either. It was just kind of part and parcel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So I am presuming, and please correct me if I'm wrong. When you joined, you okay for both of them, you were doing massage at both times, right? I was, yep. Okay, so then let me ask you this How much time were you devoting towards, um, you know, quote unquote, working your business of your essential oil business, be it doTERRA or Young Living, or was it the same amount of time daily, weekly, and monthly? Well, it it took me a little while to kind of get the ball rolling with doTERRA because, again, I had no idea that it was an MLM or what would be actually required of me because there's there's no opportunity rule there to ensure that we get that information up front. You know, and I never saw an income disclosure statement, Alanda, until after I was fully, fully done. So, you know, what one was. Yeah. Why would you? So, um. You know, I do remember hosting a class within, I don't know, the first month or two or so. Um, I started teaching DIY classes because that was kind of in my wheelhouse. So we'd make, you know, spritzer bottles and massage blends and that sort of thing. 
Um, you know, I also hosted, uh, like showed up at events as a vendor, you know, investing all that for the booth fee and all the samples and all that. Um, I mean, I think it varied. I also, of course, one of my expenses was childcare. My, I put my son in daycare a couple times a week so that I could work. Um, all of those expenses, of course, did not get offset. I took a loss on my taxes for four years in a row. Um, doTERRA wow. was under the umbrella of my existing like healing arts company. So it was kind of woven into that, but I really, you know, I did have some income from doing body work and, but I would, I would say that I really at best broke even on my monthly order and then took a loss on anything above and beyond in terms of expenses, you know, by business materials and, um, and that you know, was sort of my next question is about your expenses. What were your expenses for your product? Plus, you know, which I'm presuming you had to have a particular quota to be active, you know, particular volume points to be active. So what were your expenses on, on the product, but also these other things, what else were you spending money on in the guise of it's there for your, you know, essential oil business? Yeah. Um, well, certainly every month we had a hundred PV order minimum. Um, our team highly encouraged us to spend 125 PV or more before the 15th of the month, because then you'd get the free product of the month. And then everybody on the team had some semblance of security in their downline. Right. <laughs> um, so oh, we will. <laughs> so I was spending a minimum of $125 a month, um, often closer to 150 or 200, you know, sometimes more if it was a BOGO month or a special promotion, we often had 200 PV promotions. Um, and I did all of those because then I had extra oils for sampling and classes. Um, so there was that monthly expense every month, no matter what. Um, and then I, I did invest in, you know, business system trainings, you know, there would be different, um, booklets or handouts. I bought a lot of materials to give out at classes or to give to customers. Um, the way that doTERRA enrolls people is with a membership over with a, like a wellness consultation and then a membership overview, um, so there were handouts sort of at all these wait, different wait. touch points. Just a minute here. Membership overview. So this is for your, you know, preferred customers or is this to get them to be doTERRA Huns? Well, both. I mean, when I joined, there were sort of three different levels. It was like, I don't even remember, customer, preferred member, and then builder or something like that. It was like live, share, build was kind of how they generally categorize different oh, levels wow. of participation, you know, but any customer who just opened with a wholesale account would be on my downline, no matter what. The only thing that would distinguish them from a builder is if they had provided their social security. And then of course, if they were keeping up that 100 PV order. Now wow. I never really had builders on my downline. I had 
customers who I had built enough of a relationship with or had enough affinity with um, to get them essentially to commit to keeping up 100 PV orders so that I could build underneath them. So I did that. Um, so you people know, commit I, to spending that each month. Mm-hmm. Not them not making anything, but like, yes, I'm going to buy from you each month. You can count on me. Yeah. And it was sort of like they were curious about the business or interested enough and, but they weren't quite ready to start doing it. It would be that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so it was sort of this agreement that I would build underneath them. And then at some point they'd actually participate Um, But, you know, we had so many different kinds of products. It was easy enough for me to recommend this, that, and the other that would easily be 100 PV every month because these products are expensive. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So did I, I'm sorry, did I answer the (laughs) question? Did I answer the question? uh, Right, right. So, uh, you know, we would give out either these little A to Z guides that were kind of like cookbook style reference guides. And You've you got bought those from Zotero? Um, they were from a few different third party vendors that were um, companies that top leaders owned and operated. Oh, good gravy. Yeah, so a little double dipping there. And then, of course, yeah. you have the other top leaders who would write books to make it look like they were experts. And then, of course, all of those would be sold through these companies. So that was a real, you know, cozy little circle there of leaders. And um, and then at one point, for quite a while, we were really, like, investing a lot in these hardbound reference guides. And on some level that was kind of smart of the leadership or the company to encourage that because it would be like, you're not the expert, refer them to the book. Right. So it would kind of prevent people from making health claims, but dear Lord, people on our team made health claims left and right all the time. Um, What? Give me some examples. Oh my God. I mean, I could go onto our team website right now and, it was like anything from, um, you know, su- supporting hormonal health to thyroid adrenal health to, um, you know, immune support. Um, but we had they, we had these, excuse me, um, weekly team calls where, you know, I think the agreement or the understanding, the unspoken understanding, is that if you're on your team and it's a team call, you can kind of say whatever you want. Um, you know, if it's not posted on social media, you can make numerous health claims. So right after I joined was when the FTC sent um, warning letters to Young Living and doTERRA. So we pretty much almost from the beginning of my time, I had some awareness of compliant language. And I think our team tried to do that. Um, but you know, on these weekly calls and monthly community classes that were in person, 
um, we covered all kinds of health topics. And then of course there would be um, a meeting once or twice a month just focused on the business opportunity. So um, they absolutely were making health claims and income claims. Now, when okay, the people that you were getting to join as the preferred customer or whatever it was called that were not builders, were these primarily your clients? Were they people that were also into natural healing, other modalities of it? Who were they? So I did kind of have a built-in network of clientele. Um, you know, I had already established... Um, like a pretty significant email list. So over time, I just started promoting doTERRA more and more through my newsletter, um, you know, certainly to my clients. Um, not long after I joined doTERRA, I had tried to open a wellness center with a chiropractor and that um, business partnership was uh, not sustainable, let's say. It didn't, it didn't, uh, materialized. So we, it's like right after we opened it, we closed. Um, but I was, you know, we had it in our office there. Um, I think by that point I was like not doing massage because I had, um, I had had a shoulder injury and then we tried to open this wellness center and I was really focused on, you know, trying to mentor others. And, um, then I started teaching at a massage college and, um, you know, the owner there, you know, all along the way, anytime somebody waved a red flag in my face, I just didn't understand it. It was never articulated to me in a way that made sense. I always had the spoon fed response. Um, the director at the massage school, I remember, you know, saying, but, you know, if we use those oils in an aromatherapy class, then won't you be getting a profit? And I was like, well, yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> um, you know, I just, I just did not understand how it was unethical or not the kind of relationship that people wanted. Um, yeah. So... At what point did you realize, you know, this doTERRA thing or this Young Living, whichever one or both, it, it's really just not working. It's, it's, it's not, I'm running around all over the place. I'm not getting out of it. I'm losing money. When did you have that realization? How did that well, happen? Well, probably about every five minutes, but then they'd have, <laughs> a new, you know, but then they'd have a new, better training system you know, or a new, better way to sort of package how we were presenting things or how, what we would call ourselves or, you know, like it changed often enough that it was sort of like, this is newer and better and is going to be more duplicatable. You know, at one point I, I really, really wanted to um, get trained as a clinical aromatherapist, but my upline said, that's not going to be duplicatable, right? It's not going to wow. be easy for people on your downline to kind of model that behavior. Right. And so there was always this keeping up of appearances that the business was 
um, simple enough for anyone to do, right? That idea that it's simple, it's not easy. You're going to have to put in the hard work, but only the people who quit fail, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just really, the messaging was really like consistent enough and I showed up at all the things. So I really heard the messaging a lot. So I just sort of tried on different hats, you know, for a while I taught a class every single week for a while. I focused on like just DIY classes or just working with yoga teachers in their classes and doing workshops. Like I tried so many different ways. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think honestly, I, I was, it was not working like the whole time. I just kept trying and trying and trying. Um, the final couple of straws for me were when they introduced a new bonus. And it was the idea was, you know, we acknowledge that everybody at the bottom is doing the majority of the work and we want to reward you. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and so I had only ever hit like the first real rank in four years. And I was, you know, I was showing up consistently. I don't think I ever give you, gave you like a weekly hour, but I was like putting in a minimum of 10 hours a week up to 30 or 40 hours a week, depending on how many events I had going on or how many wellness consultations or membership overviews I had scheduled. Right. So I went from thinking I was going to like retail essential oils to learning how to sell memberships. <laughs> quite well, a different thing. It was really quite a different thing. And it was really like, this was just kind of not what I thought it was going to be at all. Um, it didn't, you know, didn't really leverage my background in the way that I thought it would. I thought I could like do health consultations for people and not have to charge them up front that I just get paid on the back end. But, you know, of course, it's way more complicated than that. Um, I also started to really see how my uplines were working their business 24 seven, that it became their entire life, their entire culture. Yeah. And I didn't want that, you know, there was a good chunk of time there where, you know, I was consistently enrolling people. I probably had approximately 150 people on my downline. Um, wow. I was busy and good at enrolling customers. Um, and, you know, I, I bought into the whole notion of retiring my husband because he was sort of fluctuating in his work and we wanted to move to the country and like had some ideas about business businesses that we wanted to start and, you know, I thought it was going to be the so-called vehicle to get me to the thing that I actually wanted. And I could just see that my upline, like that was it. The company was the end destination. Yeah. And the only other way I've seen that play out for top leaders is that they then sort of rebrand themselves as coaches, but ultimately it's still within the doTERRA yeah. family or business model. Like they still have their downline. They're not just coaches. Um, so I went for this 
sort of new incentive to rank up to from elite to premiere that they introduced. And what it involved was rearranging my customers on my team so that they fit into the bonus structure of the downline. And it was a lot of bullshit, headachey work. And um, that didn't feel like helping people. That felt like a game. Yeah. And, um, and it was exhausting. It was irritating. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of it, I did get the biggest paycheck I'd ever gotten, you know, for the month, at least I definitely made a profit one time. <laughs> wow. Um, but, you know, I also had, um, I don't think I've shared this before, but I also received a tarot reading from somebody that I really love. And, um, and she said so many kind of spot on things about what I was experiencing. Um, it just kind of on this internal level reinforced for me that this was, was just not for me. Um, and so, you know, I, there weren't, it wasn't like a specific moment or an event or anything. It was just this fatigue as well. Right. Like after four years of trying to make it yeah. and not ever ranking up. Um, so at some point I told my upline that I was, you know, basically going to be inactive, but I did keep up my order for quite some time. I kept up the hundred PV order for a while. Um, at some point I let that go and I just continued on the loyalty rewards monthly um, order just to get the points. Cause you know, you spend so much money, then you have to get the free points and all of that complicated purchasing stuff. <laughs> you know, that was the other thing I ended up talking to my customers about this loyalty rewards program and answering those questions and not talking to people about their health. Right. Um, oh, yeah. So that was boring. Um, <laughs> at some point I let go of the loyalty rewards or order and, and maintained my wholesale account for a while. And until eventually my upline reached out to me. And of course we had not been in touch, right. You know, the whole community aspect of it. And I get to do this business with my best friends. It's like, I never really had that. I liked our community. I certainly spent plenty of time with them, but other than my direct upline and a few people on my downline that I was mentoring, even though I had no business mentoring them, um, you know, and again, these were people who like were keeping up their order, but they weren't actually active in the business. Right. Um, uh, oh, shoot, Alanda, I totally lost my train of thought. That's okay. Yeah, okay. well, she anyway, she came came to me at some point and said, I know you're not keeping up your order. Um, can I have your team? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and this had come up several times over the years with other people who had dropped out and wouldn't give their team to her. So, you know, I, I don't know, I, I wasn't attached at all at that point. And I didn't yet fully understand um, why MLM wasn't working for me or why it was not a great business model. 
Um, I did have the wherewithal to just tell her, you know, I know this isn't working for me, but I know it's working for you. Um, and I asked her to essentially thank me for my hard work because I knew it was benefiting her. Um, and she did. And I gave her my team. And that was kind of it. Then I saw the Unwell documentary. And that that was really what sort of prompted me. I had already heard. Um, oh, my gosh, Alanda, there are like so many layers to this. It's crazy. I had already. Yeah, I had already heard um, the Dream podcast. So that was like an eye opener. Um, you know what? I don't think I heard that until after this this uh, handing over of the team. Oh my God, the timeline is so fuzzy. I can, I can understand, but I just, I find it very fascinating to be like, well, so can I have your team? I mean, <laughs> gonads, I think, you know, and like you said, you're, you're not the first person that she did that to. And she would only benefit, I'm presuming, because even though you just had customers and not builders under you, but that would help her and I guess the points that she needed for whatever it was that she was making. And so, of course, you want to get hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people underneath you to mm -hmm. prop you up to potentially maybe make a buck. Yeah, I know that it it supported her team volume for sure her OD, yeah. her organizational volume i know that it was significant there i don't think i was on a structurally significant part of her downline but you know i knew she was having to jump through hoops every month to keep her rank too you know she'd placed right. orders on my account several times just to keep rank um what is that again she had placed orders on my account from time oh. to time to, uh, you know, maintain rank or, or hit rank up. I'm not sure. Um, so, you know, I, I, she was transparent enough with me, even though you're not supposed to like complain to your downline, you know, we had a friendship, an authentic enough friendship that she showed me behind the curtain a bit, you know? Wow. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So now you don't have a team anymore. Okay. And yeah. you're like, yeah, this isn't working. So what emotions did you have initially when you ended your MLM relationship? Um, I think I experienced a lot of numbness. Um, just a lot of, um, <laughs> yeah, it was exhausting. Um, yeah, I think I just sort of went numb. I mean, I was sort of had on the last legs of trying to make it work. I was, I went from sort of strictly following the doTERRA sales model to trying to put myself in communities and environments that I wanted to be in. So I found, you know, um, I found a few different places that I wanted to be hanging out and, I also didn't want to be prospecting those people. Yeah. Um, so there, the cognitive dissonance, if you will, sort of started getting stronger where I was like, I just didn't feel right um, asking these people who I actually wanted to be my friends to be on my team. 
you know, and, and that really went against this idea of growing a team with your friends. Yeah. Um, right. Right. But I had the sense, I just knew that, you know, they weren't going to be the people who would want to do this with me. And yet those were the people I wanted to be around. Um, so that was sort of leaving, leading up to leaving. And then I just sort of like was in a process of if I'm not doing this, who am I now and what am I doing now? So I really just sort of went into a lot of inner um, healing and growth and unraveling. And um, I went and studied astrology for two years, <laughs> you know, like I just went and like did other things to try to figure out who am I now and what am I going to do now? It was a lot of anxiety, honestly, a lot of anxiety and confusion. And, you know, it wasn't until I kind of found your podcast and caught the unwell documentary and the dream podcast. And then at some point actively started, um, you know, learning through the anti-MLM community, um, you know, that I started to experience the guilt and the shame and then eventually the forgiveness about it all. Uh, see, that brings up the next thing I was going to say is how did you find the anti-MLM, you know, community movement? Like how did that come into your bubble of existence? Well, I think if, if I am grasping my memory correctly, it was, I quit like in the spring of 2018. And then in the winter, I heard the dream podcast. That was a huge eye opener. Um, you know, giving some context for this industry that I didn't have before at all. Um, 2019, I don't, I don't think I really found any information or sought out anything. Unwell, I think, came out in the summer, fall of 2020. And that episode on essential oils is really what triggered me to start processing my experiencing and actively seeking out anti-MLM content. And I think I initially found it, you know, through your podcast, which was incredible, and YouTube. So I kind of came on the scene right when all the Kimberlea stuff was going down, which was... Oh, wow. What a time to come on. <laughs> it was very disorienting because even now when like issues come up, it's like such a distraction from what we're trying to do. Um, so, you know, I think I really sat back and just learned as much as I could. Um, I found, you know, the website MLM Truth, the anti-MLM coalition resources and like the subreddit and that kind of thing. Um, you know, sought out documentaries that I like, you know, the early vice documentary on Lula Rowe and, um, uh, Leah Remini's documentary, um, on Scientology on Netflix and those sort of things and sort of just started to connect the dots. Yeah. It's, I mean, Coming out of MLM is a process. You know, I mm -hmm. I think I'm still healing from my time within it. It's, it's, and I don't think there's a timeline that anybody has to follow. Like, well, by this time, this is where you should be. It's like no. everyone's different. And also because of the different layers there are, 
that what you've been through, you know, taking those off and really getting back to your core identity is not an easy task. And I think it takes much longer to get there and to grow from than it was with our time within MLM. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a it's a grief process. You know, you have to die to this identity that you thought you were or were becoming and then figure out either what's left of that or who you really are underneath it. Um, and then, you know, what it is that you want next, that question was very hard for me to come to. Um, you know, it took, it's taken years, you know, I'm, I'm in school now, finally, um, for what will be my next career in interior design. I'm, I'm thrilled about that choice, but it, you know, was, it took making a conscious effort to distance myself from the wellness world, um, you know, to which I'm now pretty skeptical about, you know, I'm still having to like come to terms with, you know, things that I shared and ideas that I shared and protocols I shared and, um, yeah, just kind of coming back to like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it is just such a process and I'm, I'm still very much in it, but um, well, congrats yeah. on studying interior design. I love decorating my, myself. I just love that. I, think, I guess I got that love for it from my mom because she was like always forever moving everything around. And <laughs> it was also um, like a little seamstress and, you know, incredibly, I wish I would have learned how to sew. She was amazing at it. But, you know, I think making a space look inviting and pretty and to meet someone's needs is a beautiful thing. So congratulations on that. I'm glad that you found thank something you. to, you know, focus on. That's fantastic. Yeah. So thank you so much. If you could give a message to your younger self so that your younger self would not ever get involved with multi-level marketing, what would you say to yourself? Oh, this is a hard question. I mean, I think MLM is just so good at targeting vulnerable people and we're all vulnerable at one point or another, right? Like yeah. we, we know MLMs and cults, which operate very similarly, can, can get the best of people, right? Like no one who goes into an MLM is not smart. Right. Um. I don't know that I have a good answer for that. I just would encourage anybody who is getting prospected from an MLM to just really pause and try to gather different points of view or at least see an income disclosure or wait a minute, you know, not immediately. Um, I feel like that's a common thing I've heard is that when people agree to these kind of things, it's like this instinctual intuitive thing and they just agree and don't question it. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like pausing and um, looking at information is really important. Um, you know, if I, if I were speaking directly to myself, my younger self in that moment, um, 
I'm not sure what I could have said. You know, it's like the context was so ripe for this moment to happen. Um, it would have meant, you know, distancing myself from my friend. And, you know, looking back, I, I probably didn't make a lot of friends with other young moms because I was doing doTERRA. So this idea of community even, you know, I think I would have just said like, is this the community you really want to be a part of? I think you said something um, really important there in terms of like, basically like you don't know if there was something that you could have said, because I think about that is that I know when I was like all in for Beachbody and everything, I don't know if anybody could have talked me out of it. And like you, I didn't question anything. I didn't really know anything. I didn't see an income disclosure. Nothing just was like, I trusted the person who presented the opportunity because they proclaimed they were making six figures and I had lost my you know job. I'd been laid off and everything. So I think it's very important for us to acknowledge that when you are at that state of vulnerability and you've already been kind of indoctrinated into this belief mm-hmm. that it is, you know, a viable opportunity, can you really say anything to yourself so that you would not do it? But I think you also said something very important in addition to that, and that is to pause and to look at mm-hmm. different angles because there's a tendency not to do that. We, I don't know anybody who was like, yep, I saw an income disclosure statement. Yep. I did all my research. And because I did all my research and saw the income disclosure statement, I decided this was a great idea. I've never heard that. <laughs> I don't think it will happen. Like if, if that, Opportunity rule does include MLMs. It is going to change everything. Um, you know, and and I it's just what you said. It's like once I was in it, anytime a friend or a family member um questioned it, it, you know, they were pointed enough questions that I had an answer for them. It wasn't just like look at the business model, right? Yeah. So it was like things like why are the products so overpriced or, or this and that it wasn't, it wasn't like critiquing the business model, which I think at the end of the day is the biggest problem, right? It's, it's not that the products are inherently crappy or better or worse than any other products. It's because it's not about the product (laughs) Um, as much as they say that it is, but if I had, any understanding about MLM before I was pitched the income claim, I might've been able to take pause or look at it, but I just had no clue. And then once I was in, you know, I just had all the spoon fed answers. So I was a goner. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me ask you this. What is one thing that is positive that came out of you joining an MLM? If anything, Huh. Um, I, I don't know that I have anything positive that's come out of it. Honestly, Alanda, I, you know, I'm a bit more skeptical now. Um, I think that's a good thing. Um, 
you know, of course I still <clears throat> want to be trusting of people, but, um, my, my, um, scam radar is highly acute right now. Um, and you know, now it's like, I can notice so many other kinds of scams that are happening. Um, you know, I guess one other thing that's positive having, you know, it's not something positive that I got out of the experience, but having come out of the experience and being on the other side, I feel sort of just more al in alignment with my life and what I want to be doing. And I feel like the, the goals and dreams, if you will, that I have now are, are more reasonable. They're not so distorted and, you know, um, just hyperbolic, right? Like the dreaming big stuff that you do in MLM, like now it just feels like I have a normal life and, and that feels good. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with a normal life. I think that's something that really pisses me off to no end is to just basically, you know, piss on just normal life within MLM. It's like right. what's wrong with just having just a regular sized house and not a mansion. What's wrong with driving just a normal car and not a luxury car. What's wrong with any of that? Why do we have to keep right. going after, you know, um, every designer, everything It's like a bigger and greater. No. Why? Right. Why? Right. Well, you know, with doTERRA, that's one of the things that they tried to say made it different. It's like, we're not get rich quick. Their, their um, conventions were, you know, they weren't um, razzle dazzle, like crazy hyper shows, right? Like they were, they felt relatively normal. They weren't um, over the top. Uh, I mean, in some ways they were, but like we didn't have a car program. So it wasn't like focused on materialistic things. Um, but, you know, MLM just, I feel like inherently is capitalism on steroids. It's like the American dream on steroids. So yeah. even if, even if you're working your business to be of service, it's like, isn't the goal basically to be a millionaire? Yeah. Well, I have one last question for you. If someone you love came to you with a new opportunity what would you do? How would you approach it? Well, I would probably just say, well, have I got a story for you? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think I'd, I'd, um, you know, obviously just caution them about the business model. And I'd say, well, let's take a look at the income disclosure together and, you know, maybe just help them sort of see it for what it is. Um, obviously I would not, <laughs> obviously not join or anything like that, but I would definitely encourage them to, um, look at some of the data and share my experience and ask, you know, ask if they've asked some of the questions that they can ask to do their own due diligence, what they know about the company and, and, um, you know, what does their profit and loss look like? And those sort of things. I, I probably just want to really sit down with them and, 
and uh, have a have a good talking to you. And all of that is very reasonable. Where can people find you on social media and follow you? Um, so I'm at essentially underscore over underscore MLMs. Um, and it's just been in the last month or two that I've started to become more active in this community and participating in the, the conversation and really just, you know, trying to educate people, especially from my point of view with an essential oil MLM. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm over there. I'm, I'm not, um, Alanda, I say all the time now in it to win it. And it just makes me laugh every time, (laughs) you know, but I'm like basically not trying to be a big influencer. I just want to finally share my voice in this conversation because, um, I'm finally at that point, you know, where before I was kind of doing things behind the scenes, doing surveys for researchers or reporting to the FTC and the AG and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it just feels like it's time. So that's that's where folks can find me. Thank you for sharing that. And you are welcome to come on any time because if you guys don't realize this, I've been covering an MLM. Well, it's kind of a Ponzi scheme, kind of a pyramid scheme. It, it tries to be everything, which is called <laughs> passive. And their thing is you're in it to win it. I mean, there's so much about this one that is just rubs me the wrong way. And not many people know about it. So I just have that flashlight and I'm like, I'll just sit here and hold the flashlight over it and keep on shining because they've never actually launched. And I think that's the thing that really pisses me off is that they keep selling empty promises. And something we all can work together on collectively is because the FTC is looking for public comments and it hasn't come out yet, like where you can do this. And I will keep you posted but it has to do with basically income disclosures, income statements, and it goes beyond just multi-level marketing, but multi-level marketing is certainly a part of that. And I will be providing with you guys um, on my community tab, what my statement will be. I've put stuff before both um, Doug Brooks, who's an attorney and um, Bill Keep, who's a professor of marketing. And they also have been fighting against, you know, this uh, deceptive, business for many years. So I'm putting something together and you guys can look at it and be like, okay, now I have a model of what a comment looks like. Now let me take this and go and do my own thing. And Jamie, I'm sure that you are going to be involved in creating your own comment for that too, or at least if you haven't thought about it, I hope you will. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I did the comment before the meeting and then now it looks like from what I, what I gather, there's a 90 day period for us to resubmit comments that are, have much more specific questions to answer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to be doing that. And, um, some other folks who are, um, doing activism are putting together a young living in doTERRA FTC submission as well, that I think is separate than this. So yeah, it's separate. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I learned so much from that last episode you did um, with the lawyers about at the end of the day, the reporting to legislators is what's going to affect change. So I'm, I'm keeping that in mind and I need to put something together. Well, I should have my letter sometime. Well, I say letter, but you know, my statement 
put together sometime this week and I will be sharing it. Um, and awesome. next week I'm going to have Dr. Keep back on to talk about this very topic because we really do need to rally the troops to have as many people make comments to the FTC about, you know, the harms that people experience without really understanding um, what the income opportunity really is like. So there's a lot of things to consider with this. And we have an opportunity for our voice to be heard so that there can be at least one step in the area of change. So I'm so glad that you are, you know, joining forces and working on that. So thank you very much for your activism. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I mean, you definitely paved the way for me. Um, can I ask you one more question about that or do we need to go? Oh, no, no, you can ask me. Um, I, my understanding is that the opportunity rule is sort of lumping MLM together with other gig work. Right. And do you think if we comment on that specifically that they'll separate it or does that matter? Um, I think that your, your comment will need to gear towards multi-level marketing. At least that's how I'm making mine because, you know, they're talking about um, penalties against multi-level marketing, for-profit colleges, gig economy platforms, and just, you know, other things in addition. So I think that if we can kind of, as people who are, consumer activists who are against multi-level marketing company structure and how they do everything. If we can come together and kind of share our stories in part with our comments, that will be very powerful because you, we know the DSA and the MLMs, they're going to rally the troops. They, they did it before with the yeah. business op rule. So right. hopefully now, since there's so many people speaking out about multi-level marketing and their experience, we can get a good number of people to show up and put out a comment because I think we, we need to really show it in force is what my belief is. Did yeah. you like your question? Yeah. Yeah, you did. And I, I feel like there are a lot of people who are aware of this happening and we're just trying to all spread the word. So yeah. Um, can I mention one other place to find this information? Absolutely. Okay. Another um, creator uh, has a website called spoonstop.com and she's got um, a lot of the notes and questions and kind of everything that you need to submit um, on her website as well. So that's spoonstop.com. I put that in the chat. Yeah, I was actually talking to her, I believe, earlier today. I just Everything oh, kind great. of blurs for me. Anyway, I want to say thank you so very much for your time and thank you to my moderator for being here and for people who are just hanging out and listening to Jamie's story. I think it's very important for us to tell these stories and to have these conversations because one, I think it shows that we do have a community of similar experience across all MLMs and two, get stories out there for people who are just discovering like, maybe this isn't really the thing I should be doing for them to hear multiple stories so that they know they're not alone. Their perception, you know, they're probably spot on what they're thinking. You're not alone. Right. We are the 
<laughs> yep, we sure are. Anyway, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for being here tomorrow. I will be back with another episode about on passive. Haven't figured out what it's going to be yet, but it'll be something anyway. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And remember, you're beautiful and I love you. <laughs>